Beloveds, welcome back to The Word is Resistance, the podcast where we're exploring what our sacred texts have to teach us about living, surviving, even thriving in the context of empire, tyranny, violence, and repression, the times in which we are living today. What do our sacred stories have to teach us as white folks about our role in resistance, in showing up, in liberation? What do they have to teach us about any of these things in the time of pandemic, during Holy Week? My name is Seth Wispelway, and I am a pastor in the United Church of Christ. I use he and him pronouns, and I'm speaking with you all from Tucson, Arizona, which is located on the occupied territory of the Tohono O'odham Nation and its people who have stewarded this land for generations. We do well to acknowledge these things, at a very minimum, in hope and prayer that our ideas and understandings of possession, property, and history unclench towards a radical repentance that ultimately leads to a radical re-understanding, use, and reclamation of these spaces we call church, home, and more, as the living God expects and requires. These are trying times, trying times, times of trial. For folks who grew up with church in any kind of way and or still call it home, this Holy Week is unlike any we've ever experienced. Our sanctuaries, like the tomb, will be empty on Easter. And there's a whole other sermon in there. Church or no, each of us in our own ways is facing unprecedented circumstances, challenges and fears and loss and grief and more around health, around jobs, around parenting, around loneliness, and so much more. Trying times. Each of us is faced with this trial of persisting, even as the way we do that is sheltering in place, freezing, if you will, which can be a daunting way to build resilience. For those on the front lines of taking care of the sick and dying, life is a constant fight to save life and protect one's own, its own incredibly daunting recipe for burnout. COVID-19, the novel coronavirus, has been called the great equalizer, and biologically that's true. The virus infects a human host, regardless of the usual signifiers that define our lives, and the fear each of us have that we we or a loved one will become infected and need a ventilator and maybe not get one, and so on. These fears are universal. And yet, the truth is, this pandemic is going to try certain communities harder than others. Indeed, it already has. We must understand this to fight like hell for the living now. 
especially those experiencing this pandemic in our white supremacist everything for profit country. We must understand this to have any hope and meaningful commitment for systemic resurrections on the other side of this pandemic. Many of us who are plugged into online chatter and social media platforms around issues of race and equity have certainly already seen commentary describing how the COVID-19 pandemic is putting our nation's healthcare system on trial and exposing how damning it is for a country and society to yoke healthcare to profit margins, employment, and pre-existing conditions. Healthcare is a human right. Because when trying times come, those whom the system is designed to help will always and ever come out better than those whom the system is designed to exclude. Yes, the pandemic is exposing that the empire had no clothes to whole new swaths of people, most probably privileged by skin color and wealth. But we have to notice in this passion narrative, all of us are living that the empire is still trying and sentencing living bodies according to the rules it had set in place before. What is truth? COVID-19 is disproportionately killing black and brown Americans. So today, Good Friday, 2020, The day we mark Jesus' trial and crucifixion, I want to stage a bit of a semantic shift. We can say that COVID-19 pandemic is trying all of us and putting our systems on trial. I get the point, but the virus itself is neutral. The trial will be up to us when all is said and done. But right now, the truth is the system is putting on its own trial And it's the kangaroo court of the white supremacist virus working exactly the way it's designed to when it comes to the racism baked into this country's DNA. As media like Ava DuVernay's documentary The 13th make clear, streaming on Netflix, ever since chattel slavery ended, our country has been codifying the oppression and exclusion of black and brown Americans any way it can as long as it's quote-unquote legal. Jesus was executed on the lynching tree of the empire's cross according to the legal dictums of empire. Centuries of anti-Semitic readings and teaching from the Passion narrative would still try to have us believe Pilate was an ambivalent conduit for the so-called Jewish justice and otherwise would have preferred to let Jesus go than be bothered by these people he was meant to suppress for the empire's profit and power. But that right there tells us why anti-Semitic readings of Jesus' trial are horrifically wrong, and always wrong regardless. Just as was the case when Jesus was born, as a brown-skinned Palestinian Jew, to an unwed teenage mother, in an unimportant part of the world, living under occupation, we have a people here who are still being suppressed. These religious leaders that are threatened by Jesus are no different than the religious leaders trying to police Dr. King while he sits in a Birmingham jail, are no different than the white Christian pastors who condemned and avoided any peaceful confrontation with the neo-Nazis and white supremacists in Charlottesville. They are fine with their creeds and job security and more, as long as the boat doesn't get rocked 
and they can still breathe a bit of the Empire's rationed oxygen supplies during the oppressive quarantine of occupation. Pilate is absolutely an actor in this, with agency. He is the quote-unquote well-meaning judge and prosecutor, the white man who thinks the Empire has some injustice and maybe some things he doesn't understand, but believes the underpinnings are absolutely right and sees himself as a neutral conduit for the law he speciously considers objective and fair. When in fact Pilate, like prosecutors and judges, holds great discretionary power. If only he had the kingdom imagination for it. Yes, even for dismantling the entire unjust system. Jesus came to set the prisoners free. Like everything about the way of Jesus, that's intrinsically challenging to empire logic and therefore Pilate's logical job. He can't just let a prisoner go without a reason, let alone all of them. It looks bad to execute the guy who doesn't want any prisoners, but it looks even worse to let him go because, like the victory march on the donkey earlier that week, Jesus parodies the machinations of empire to reveal his kingdom way. It costs him everything, just as it has cost countless black and brown lives in our country's history, and will now if we don't act with alacrity during this pandemic and beyond. Black and brown and indigenous resilience similarly mocks the machinations of the United States while begging all of us to imagine and live into a new way. One of the greatest victories of white supremacy is its insulation of its beneficiaries from this truth. What is truth? Pilate dismissively asks. That's what the USA wants you to ask, toggling between the media platforms and press conferences. Now is the time to record, to remember, to document who chose truth when the moment mattered. To work with those who will build truth. The truth that we belong to each other. And our healthcare system does not operate that way when we come out of this. There can't be any going back to the way things were. Build your case. Build solidarity. The conviction and death sentencing of the empire's racist health care court system will not and cannot have the last word. Not for Easter people. Not for us. If we want to practice the resurrection that is the curtain ripping of white supremacy. You may have heard the term comorbidity in the past few weeks. It's a term that can describe any and all factors that exacerbate those things which might threaten our lives outside the norm. Living in the United States is a comorbidity for black and brown people. This has been true for hundreds of years. Our entire system and history is designed to dangle the threat of a kangaroo court like Jesus experiences with religious leaders and Pontius Pilate over the lives of black and brown people. This is also true for healthcare. The data is in. And sure enough, the life-altering impact of COVID-19 we can already see is exacerbating pre-existing comorbidities of being a black person in the USA. As Nicole Hannah-Jones, a leader on the recent 1619 Project, says in a recent vital Twitter thread, 
Quote, When COVID-19 first hit America hard last month, the narrative was that it was the great equalizer, that in such a divided nation, our shared humanity meant we would be equal in our suffering. But those of us who understand racial caste in America knew this could never be true. While the face of coronavirus in the media has been disproportionately white, race data trickling out shows that the victims, particularly those dying from it, are disproportionately black. So much so that sources in some hospitals say every patient on a vent is black. Here's why, dot, 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 end quote. She then goes on to post article after article from all over the country, along with numerous data sets, to unpack the ways we already know our healthcare system discriminates against black Americans, leading to diminished health outcomes and premature death. I strongly recommend you seek it out. I will also link it in the accompanying transcript to this podcast. Dr. Brahm Wispelway, yes, relation, wrote this in a 2015 piece in Huffington Post on the role of American medicine in premature black deaths. Quote, In an abundant society with the means to address racial disparities, the implication of our abject failure to do so is revealing. The senseless murders of black Americans at the hands of both police officers and individual racists have appropriately gripped the nation's attention. But if we are going to honestly contend that black lives matter, we, the American public in general and the practicing physician in particular, must acknowledge, claim, and work to fix the dangerous implicit biases as well as the rigged social structures that preferentially kill people of color. As it stands now, we are all complicit. End quote. Our systems, our healthcare systems, are working the way they are supposed to and designed to. The stories will keep coming in about disparate deaths among black Americans compared to the percentage of them who live in a particular area. These are not anomalies. The injustice might feel amorphous and ambivalent and as hard to grab as the virus, and yet, the system is determining life and death on behalf of empire, like Pilate, and the religious leaders dealing with Jesus's life-giving insubordination, his subversive embodiment of proactively touching and healing those most in need of equity and good bedside manner, his ministry of health care for all, body, mind, and spirit, this is not a judgment on the brave efforts of healthcare individuals, doctors, nurses, and so many others who are trying to keep people alive on the front lines, and this is not a commandment to take on more. And yet, just because we are all in quarantine doesn't mean our commitment to dismantling white supremacy is put on pause. Be encouraged that our normal white impulse to do more after being confronted with injustice and our own complicity in it is not the response you need. There's never enough we can do anyway. There's an embodied solidarity we must be. Read the thread. What is truth? Knowing it will set you free. Then find out how black folks are speaking up for health equity in your community and state and join their call. Starting now and then growing forward when all this might pass. We're all already paying close attention to all of this. 
If you're white identifying, you have privilege even now to flex. It will feel empowering to use it on behalf of all those people we can't see in person now, known and unknown. And in doing so, you'll be liberating yourself and getting the health care we all need. As Jones says in the close of her Twitter thread, quote, being black in America, a country built and maintained on a system of racial caste, kills. This virus is not the great equalizer. It is simply exploiting the grave inequalities that have always existed and hastening an early death that was coming for so many black folks anyway. If it is unacceptable now, it has to be unacceptable when we conquer this virus. And I hope we as journalists, we as society, will stop putting forth notions that a force, good or bad, can be equal in a vastly unequal society. End quote. If crucifying Jesus is unacceptable today, it has to be unacceptable on the other side of Sunday. Easter is coming. Will we live as if that's true? What is truth, Pilate asks. Ethics panels are already formed at hospitals throughout the country tasked with the daunting job of creating guidelines for who gets ventilators and priority care and when or if their hospitals get overloaded excruciating decisions to make with a broken system like ours. Tell the people in power that Black Lives Matter in all healthcare decisions is the truth we need to start living now. Pre-existing comorbidities, that is, being Black in America and whatever else they present with, cannot be the norm any longer. Will living and speaking up the way Jesus entered Jerusalem freak people out? No doubt. Remember what Jesus does right after the triumphal entry of the Palm Sunday narrative. He goes to the temple and upends the economies of exploitation at the Holy House. Remember that the emperor has no clothes and yet he is governed by greed and might makes right. They won't have enough ventilators or will hoard the ones they do for the lives they think matter more. They will withhold aid from states and people the empire deems less than. But rather than admit they have no clothes, they will get upset at the liberation I bring, and you bring in my name, Jesus says. The liberation that changes how we do life, church, and more. I come to bring health for all, mutual aid. This breaks down their entire economy, and it's already a bogus economy built on too many lies to count, and that pisses me off, Jesus says. And it should piss you off. I'm so pissed I'm going to turn this economy upside down. I'm pissed the wealthy have hoarded their treasures up and make you rely on GoFundMe pages for the basic right of healthcare. Pissed that churches are more invested in beautifying their buildings than freeing prisoners who are marked for death in only one building they can't leave. We'll see who wants to shout Hosanna publicly now. That is, save us. They will come for you, beloved, just like they have come for me, Jesus is saying. Repent and believe the good news. What is truth? Remember, it's deeply subversive to claim a different way has lordship over this profiteering white supremacist way. Subversion that can and does lead to a cross. But the death sentence and conviction 
of the empire's kangaroo courts working overtime to judge human worth is not and will not be the last word. Be bold. God's got you. Sunday's coming. Amen. May it be so. The word is resistance is designed to be a resource for white people who are realizing that following Jesus in this time and in this country means listening to, learning from, and joining in with the struggle against racism and white supremacy. We welcome your feedback and especially appreciate feedback from and accountability to listeners of color. This podcast is a project of Surge Faith. Surge stands for showing up for racial justice. This live recording of Dr. Vincent Harding's song for the freedom movement you're hearing on this recording is of a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado in December 2014, being led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. We are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. As always, the transcript will... The transcript this week will include a bunch of resources at the end to support your action. Let us know how it goes by commenting on our SoundCloud or Facebook pages. Make sure you're subscribed to stay plugged in all weekend with ongoing Holy Week and Easter offerings from The Word is Resistance. You can find out more about Surge at showingupforracialjustice.org and our podcast lives at SoundCloud. Search on The Word is Resistance. You can interact with us there if you have questions or need help with action ideas. Be sure to give this episode a like or rate us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Transcripts are available on our website, which include any references, credits, links, and copyright information. Special thanks to our sound editor this week, Max Pearl. I'll leave you with a modified Franciscan benediction. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger at white supremacy and all injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, racism, misogyny, queerphobia, war, xenophobia, and more, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and embody solidarity until their pain is turned into joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done.